0: hey crit nation justin here i just want to take a minute to let you know that we did have a few audio issues on our end during this stream so the audio is not going to be up to the standard that you are used to from the crit academy we do apologize for the inconvenience but i promise the episode is worth a listen give it a go you won't be disappointed except in maybe the quality of our audio we'll try not to disappoint anymore so many iconic monsters are steeped in witch and lore and history but those details are rarely reflected in mechanics well today we discuss legendary eminences a new kickstarter that offers us an opportunity to place these narrative details at the center of our encounters and man do i love it Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Ray. I'm your co-host, Ian.
1: And I'm your co-host, Brandon.
0: Today, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Today, Ray, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about Emory's Log of Legendary Eminences. Before we delve into that, though, can you tell uh, our audience a little bit about you and what you do in the world of you know, role-playing games and D&D?
2: Absolutely. Uh, First, I want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm a longtime Dungeon Master and a player of Dungeons & Dragons, but I also host the Running Off the Rails podcast. And more recently, I've been working on Emery's Log of Legendary Eminences, which is a Kickstarter.
0: That is uh, something I'm super excited for, to be honest. Um, When I stumbled across this, I was just like, this is... This is glorious. Like uh, we mentioned before the show, this is a problem I didn't know I had, <laughs> and I'm so glad that somebody came up with a uh, solution to this problem. Because uh, let's be honest, as players, how horrible is it when you you pull out your big bastard spell, you're ready to just destroy the boss, and the DM's like, eh, it, it, he ignores it. No, it just bounces anymore. off their scales. It it's IRA ray <laughs> cancels your spell. It is horrible yeah horrible right or just having a ability nerf for, for no apparent reason out of the blue <laughs> well you've uh you've solved that you saw this as a problem didn't you raymond
2: yeah you know- so um i think it was maybe about a year ago i was watching uh somebody streaming just talking about dungeons and dragons and they were talking they were saying that they hate legendary resist- resistances and i and i usually agree with everything that the streamer is talking about i'm like this person gets it and then (laughs) this was this was the thing that i i had cognitive dissonance over i was like what i love legendary resistances like i love being as a player like picking out my spells deciding which spell is in my most powerful ability but is debilitating enough where the dungeon master is going to use a legendary resistance and then when they do that's awesome for me, but this person hates legendary resistances. That's crazy. Why? And then they were talking about it and they, they were saying that it it doesn't make sense to them. The player, the players want to use their coolest abilities. It it feels weird that they can't use their coolest abilities. They have to choose their their abilities that are kind of cool. And I was like, Okay, I, I get, I get it. You're mm. you're right, but But I don't want to, I don't, I want people to love and interact with legendary resistances the way that I see them. So, how can I spice them up, give them narrative consequences so that they are fun to interact with in the ways that I love interacting with them?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we all uh, kind of realize once it's pointed out to us. (laughs) <laughs> and so um, I'm really excited to talk about your kind of details here. Um, for, ever, for everyone to get really into the, the setting and the, the emotion of this uh, Emery's log of legendary eminences, I feel like we need to know who Emery the eclectic is.
2: So Emery the Eclectic is this cross uh, is, this, is this ancient archmage um, who was an adventurer ages ago um, and retired ages ago. Uh, and has been hopping around the multiverse, visiting different planes of existence, different timelines. Uh, when we were thinking about who Emery was, the the Doctor Who kind of came to, to mind as kind of like a, someone who is similar in fantasy and fiction. Um, and Emery's Log of Legendary Eminences is Emery's recording of these Named creatures that she's encountered across her travels that were weren't just uh, adult red dragons or ancient red dragons or just a lich or just a tarask. These creatures were like the pinnacles of of the toughest versions of these monsters that they've had to that she she's combated and and in some cases like run away to different planes to go and search for ways of, of defeating them when that monster catches up with her on that, that next plane of existence. or that next timeline that she jumps to. Um, so Emery's log is the recording of all of these legendary eminence abilities that she's encountered. Um, and we, we also have some anecdotes in the the supplement written from her perspective about some of the named creatures she's encountered. And the, the Kickstarter video kind of gives, a kind of like a sneak peek of, of what those different anecdotes might might look like or feel like.
0: Because she's narrating it, it's a little uh, more uh, narrative-focused. Can we talk a little bit about the mechanic and what its actual pure function is in the the, the stem uh, in the, the, the way of a D&D monster stat block? I know you brought a couple samples for us to talk about um, today and exactly how they work together.
2: Yeah, so, so I, I would love to. <laughs> um, so uh, the way that a legendary eminence works is it's an ability that is active from the start of combat that just exudes the flavor of the monster you're fighting against. Um, so you're you're already getting some extra narrative element of the monster monster that you're fighting against present from the start of combat. The adult green dragon is one of my favorite examples. Uh, Green dragons in Dungeons and Dragons lore are the most like magical and the most like cunning and conniving dragon. But when you look at the stat block, it kind of just feels like the poison breath dragon is is kind of how it feels to me at least. So it's like, how can we add something here that makes this green dragons feel slippery? uh, Like you can't you can't get your hands on them. Um, so we added mirror images. So the dragon refreshes mirror images at the start of its turn equal to the number of legendary resistances that are remaining. So it makes it, it makes it really hard to, <laughs> hit, to hit the dragon, but um, while they still have legendary resistances. So we hope that this will kind of add kind of uh a natural phase to the combat or phasing to the combat where first your party is trying to target legendary resistances to get rid of enough of those refreshing mirror images where your uh, people who are trying to target hit points as opposed to spell save DCs Mm -hmm. um, are able to punch through. So there's a few design things that we're we're trying to nail here um, and, and we hope that we do, which is that legendary resistances in their current form almost act as a completely separate health bar that like half of your party is working against. So it's so it's a race, right? Are, do the people who are dealing damage get the monster to zero hit points first, or do the spellcasters who aren't dealing any damage maybe um, do <laughs> they yeah, like may, maybe they're casting fireballs and stuff like that so they they are right, targeting right. hit points, but maybe they're trying to use uh, feeble mind or polymorph or banishment, all these iconic spells, um, the maze spell, and and they're not targeting hit points at all, and if if the creature gets to zero hit points. The spellcasters who were targeting legendary resistances feel like they didn't contribute anything to that combat, and if and if you feeble mind the enemy, then what what about all of the damage that your fighter did? Like that didn't mm-hmm. that doesn't matter either. The, the right. monster was defeated at full hit points or one hit point. So by making it harder for any character to approach these creatures to get into melee with them. Um, while these, while this aura or these different types of auras and eminences are up, we're hoping that the party collaborates, comes up with a plan to get rid of the resistances first, enough of the resistances first, and then the plan shifts into phase two where we can now get our hands on this monster.
0: So this reminds me, I was a big fan of one of the, 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 the dead game wild star and they had in there called interrupt armor (laughs) where the group had to work together using collective interrupts and abilities that would weaken it just so you could do damage or do stuns or something. And that very much reminds me of this. And I think it is a very, not only did you nail making the. Um, legendary resistance, flavorful, and the new power that you gave them more flavor. They're now incentivized to not use it, which is just mind blowing when you think about it. Which so kudos to you. Um, uh, Dalcinia says this sounds incredibly interesting, and I'll have to rewatch the stream to see what I missed. <laughs> um, so I don't. Uh, I know Ian had a, a comment on here, and I think uh, just with the green dragon example, you really. I feel like you really did succeed at your goal here. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to see all of the rest of the monsters in here. Um, did you want to touch on something? I'm picturing like with, with like the black dragon, for example, him have like a acid cloud ability and then legendary reasons there are left as long with the cloud. Oh, that's nice. And <laughs> I, I think effect?
2: you, you nailed something that was very important to us here. So, so you just came up with that eminence. Like you, you were inspired like, Oh, what? Oh, okay. I've seen an example. Now my big bad that I have, what's their eminence. And that is really what we're trying to do here with like, here, here are legendary eminences. Uh, Please, please, please use them at your tables because we think they're awesome. Here are 36 examples. You don't need to use these examples. They, They give you different, seeds thought seeds where now you can innovate on your own legendary mm-hmm. eminences and obviously I really want people to use some of the abilities we've come up with because I think they're awesome but if eminences make your game more exciting more narrative more dynamic then mm-hmm. the product was a success
0: huh. did you have anything to add to that B? no, no. So, um in the next one you talk about the, the, the adult copper dragon so yeah so why don't you tell us about the the, the reveal for your? Uh, let's talk about this as a real reveal for our show. Is this something that's not currently visible on the Kickstarter?
2: Is that what that is? Yep. So so nice. for coming on your guys' show, I've, I've come with uh, I think I think it was two abilities that we haven't announced anywhere yet, and one is the first metallic dragon eminence that we're uh, revealing. So what tell we me. it. Yeah, exactly. What we wanted to do with the metallic eminences was we wanted them to uh, be more of kind of like a buff uh, instead mm-hmm. of because uh, because we could have given the gold dragon like a fiery eminence also, mm-hmm. um, and we could have given the silver dragon uh, like a, a cold uh, like cold storm that follows them around. Mm-hmm. But in the lore, it feels. I feel like metallic dragons kind of like arise to inspire heroes is kind of what it's, it's been. So, and the, the, uh, I gave you guys the copper dragon, right? I'd want to make yes. that I don't yeah. spoil a different <laughs> metallic dragon. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read, I'm just going to read, is it, can I read the eminence? I feel like that gets the, yeah, of course go. Give it a,
0: cool. you're a podcaster. So you got to give us the voice.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I don't have a podcaster. So here you go. <laughs> Um, The air surrounding the copper dragon ripples with dramatic tension. It is said that those that fight alongside these braggadocious metallic companions can hear the events of the battle narrated telepathically in their minds in epic fashion as the events unfold. The barbarian does not slash at the enemy death lord. She cleaves his breastplate in twain. While the dragon has its legendary resistance available... Each creature of the dragon's choice that is within 45 feet of the dragon becomes affected by its Theater of Champions feature. When a creature affected by Theater of Champions makes an ability check or attack roll, the creature can add a D8 to the number rolled, uh, to the result. Each time the dragon uses its legendary resistance, the area affected by Theater of Champions decreases by 15 feet.
0: Is this like a boosted blast? Yes. Yes. Because that is awesome. It sounds horrifying.
2: (laughs) We just want uh, the. When I was, when I was, so I wrote this one. There are four other uh, authors for Emery's Log of Legendary Eminences uh, Ariel, Mm -hmm. John, and Ian, who are all uh, credited on the Kickstarter page. Please go check Mm -hmm. out the the Dragon Mind podcast, which is John and Ian. Um, (laughs) But this one, this one's my baby. I wrote this one. What I was picturing here was you you have this metallic dragon companion and you're you're rolling into battle against some chromatic dragon and you because you're squatting out with this metallic dragon just all of everything that you do is that much more epic that attack that would have missed hits that stealth check that you make as the rogue to try and hide so that you can get sneak attack succeeds um so so i pictured this when because my players are um we're, we're doing Rise of uh, Tiamat and or they're they're segueing from Out of the Abyss into Rise of Tiamat. So they've just gotten to the surface and I was like, okay, cool. So the, the players are going to ally themselves with metallic dragons and they're going to go and stop the resurrection of Tiamat. That's not what my players did. They decided that they are allying with the Cult of the Dragon because why not?
0: Of course, why not? <laughs> so,
2: so now my players are going to be fighting alongside chromatic dragons, which have these very kind of offensive uh, Mm -hmm. or kind of uh, singular uh, abilities. And they're going to be fighting against all these boosted minions. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I did not foresee events unfolding that And
0: that adds another layer of complexity to what you've designed, because now it becomes a priority to remove or do what you can to remove the the big boss, or weaken its legendary eminence, because if you don't, even little goblins are going skew <laughs>
2: <Yeah.
0: laughs> like to skewer you. Yeah, I it.
2: imagine like a bunch of farmers, you know, and they're like really <laughs> scary because <laughs> they're being boosted <laughs> by this criminal, uh, this metallic dragon.
0: So when you're so when you're running something like this, how would you narratively um, how, pick, give give the the, the players themselves uh, the clue that this is in effect? Like would it be like a visible aura that they would see, or
2: I think that I would I would probably take um, kind of like a hint from the description, and I would tell the players that they hear the voice of the um, the copper dragon, kind of narrating their actions, and like Mm -hmm. maybe if they were about to swing and they could see it missing, they hear in their in their minds in their mind like Wow, what's a good hero name? Uh, Gawain the the Brave cleaves the goblin in two or, or something like that. And all of a sudden the sword is kind of like given extra speed and kind of like shifts over to the right magically and, and the attack finishes and it looks spectacular, whereas you would have missed before. And now the player starts to realize that it's almost like they can't fail. Uh, like the story is being written despite like as a success as a heroic tale in real time, uh, despite maybe, uh, their, their fatigue, which, which would have maybe made that attack miss. Otherwise there is
0: a, uh- uh, a free resource on our, our, our free section of our website where it's a cobalt victory chart. And every time they land a blow or knock somebody unconscious, you roll this thing. And I feel like that would just be so like perfect mix with this. The cobalt spits on you, stands on your chest and pounds his own. <laughs> it,
1: it, makes, it makes me think of like when you're out working, you got an earbud and you're listening to that one song and it, it starts getting pumped up when, you're, when you yes. are you get those chills of your spine. Like,
0: yeah, what, what absolutely. That's how I'm feeling. So um you, you would you you mentioned thirty six of these. On that note, mm. do not listen to Chase music when driving at the expressway. Oh Jesus, because I <laughs> <laughs> um, You're <just>
1: shifting up. <laughs> <just keep> <laughs> what gear are you in? Gear?
0: I'm
2: in what G. Stuff. What
0: is G? Go. <laughs> All right. I'm
1: so you, you <laughs> mentioned
0: thirty-six of these. Um, oh. the next one you brought with us is actually a creature that doesn't have legendary, re- uh, bleh, legendary d- resistances in the monster manual. Can you tell us a little bit about this monster and why you decided to go that direction?
2: Uh, oh, you're talking about the fire giant, right? I am. Sure cool okay my show notes um, unless i'm mistaken yeah.
0: it doesn't have a i didn't think it had a legendary resistance yeah. it either. does
3: now it, it does, does. Now. ah it.
0: Gotcha. Show the fire giants we had the fight before i want to know what it would have been yeah <laughs> I like- yeah, it,
2: yeah <laughs>
0: vanish and prick so can you tell us a little bit about this uh right well now?
2: so that's the point exactly so for the longest time i've been running cr like five to ten monsters with a mm. single legendary resistance because players get polymorph at level seven you know <laughs> it's like just like <laughs> they're they're invalidating those young dragon encounters those giant encounters um that encounter with the assassin um because there's the this weird zone where players have these combat ending spells but creatures don't have legendary resistances yet and then mm-hmm. they like kick in all at once so there's a bunch of creatures that i've been running with a single legendary resistance for a really long time um so we we took a bunch of those iconic monsters that don't have legendary resistances and we gave them a legendary resistance and a legendary eminence that uh interacts
3: uh, mm-hmm. by
2: that has a single legendary resistance so the the eminence is active and then when that resistance goes away it is it's inactive it doesn't get weaker uh, like the other legendary eminences so. I feel Maybe like that's a really good
0: balance Go that you did um, there, so instead of having it degrade, it's either there or it's not, and that's a good balance for creatures that don't have it that you're now adding them to, which is pretty cool, I think. Yep, I'm with Andrew. Neural resistances and weaknesses should be used way more, and they used to be in previous editions, but they kind of walked back on that for simplicity, for better or worse. <laughs> So, if you anyway. <laughs> if you follow us and you know we have a Patreon, you'll notice that all the monsters that I've been making all have additional vulnerabilities and uh, also more immunities, yeah. including specific weapon types like bludgeoning and pierce. Anyway, so.
2: I still laugh at the fact that werewolves raw can't actually hurt each other. That's what? really funny. Yeah. Because they're immune
0: to uh, non-magical physical attacks and they only do... No, I'm not sure if it's going to I, I got no discussion. <laughs> I got no discussion on Facebook about somebody having a big zeppelin full of werewolves that just drop out and invade an entire village, crash landing like meteors right into the center of the the keeps, yeah. you know, little
2: courtyard. And he's like, "Ah, seems the like full, bullshit." Ah, but
1: fall damage is not bludgeoning damage.
2: <laughs> it's fall damage. Well, there's <laughs> there's that there's that weird uh, technicality where there's some creatures that have like a charge ability, and if it hits mm-hmm. the, the the creature that got hit is knocked prone like Mm -hmm. there's no there's no save so i think it's like the elk the elk can technically knock the Jurassic prone if it just hits (laughs) with its charge attack which is like which is really funny
0: (laughs) it's like stepping on a stupid lego it's like how we can grapple a great a uh cube or you know trip it even though it's a even though it's a news. <laughs> all right yeah. so uh so what exact uh, um uh, so we we've talked a little bit about the uh the fire giant getting a legendary resistance did you touch on what it actually yeah. does what,
2: what is the legendary resistance no so I won't, read, I won't read the whole eminence this time but um for for fire giants we were we reading were the reading lore it? of fire giants and they have this kind of like not so often talked about Culture. All the giants have like very different cultures, which are, is not really talked about. So we had a really good opportunity to inject these different giant society cultures into their stat block. Um, mm-hmm. And for the fire giant, they have a rich tradition of it's almost like a feudal society where there's they smith and they're they're very martial. They're very they're very good with their weapons. Very practiced with their weapons. Mm-hmm. So when you uh, make a melee attack. Uh, against the fire giant and you miss it collides with the giant's uh like runic armor that they have smithed themselves instead and it triggers a concussive burst of flame the and the attacking creature is pushed back five feet and all creatures within 10 feet of the giant must succeed a dc 14 dexterity saving throw or take 2d4 fire damage
0: i love that that is so cool uh and I agree with Andrew, a gelatinous cube is is just a dungeon roomba. <laughs>
3: what is this?
0: <laughs> a dungeon <laughs> There's a picture of a dungeon roomba. That's hilarious. She
2: found the That's, uh, really that's <laughs> hilarious. Um have you guys seen the videos of the Roomba uh like finding dog poop and then just smearing the dog oh, yeah. out throughout the entire apartment? <laughs> oh, it's so
0: gross. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: here here's why we shouldn't get a dog.
2: What
0: what's wrong? Oh my god. That's <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Um so I really I really think what you've done here is something special. Um and I hope that everyone that's listening uh now or watching now or listening when the podcast goes live um swings over and supports your your product because um I really think this is something that the game really needed. Um I, and, now, know um, what, I now know what Dennis was missing. Oh god <laughs> Inside joke. If I get paid next, I will. I
3: want
0: to copy of this. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. So, um, I think this is something that is you've done really, really well. I can see the passion for it in your eyes, um, and you solved a problem most people don't know they have. So, I, you're going to have lots of, uh, lots of uh, uh, success here with Emory's Log of Legendary Eminences. Um. This is certainly uh, slips off the tongue, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> and the other, you know, there's something else that I like about these. When Volos' guide first came out, when they took the direction of narrating it from an in-game character's perspective, I think that is one of the best things you can do, because it allows you to easily inject tidbits of the world's lore from the perspective of somebody living there, which is far more engaging and interesting to read, even if it's through little short little nuggets on the sides of the pages and little, you know, blocks. And I think you've managed to do that quite well. I see that there's one right on your Kickstarter page uh for uh, Calamity Incarnate My Emery. And I think that it's, it's well-written um, the lore is very juicy, uh, and I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people beyond just the amazing mechanics that you've you've kind of developed around this uh, this legendary resistance problem. And I'm I'm officially right here, make it known. I consider it a problem now because I didn't before. Now it's certainly a problem. I'm saying that out loud. Wizards of the Coast, if you're you listening. <laughs> I know they are. I know they are. Now,
1: this this Emory character, is that a Forgotten Realms character? No. Really? No, 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 It's unique
0: to would
2: not be if we wanted to go to, to Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, can't, uh, you can't publish the IP owned by somebody else, except for on DMs Guild, where they give you exclusive permission to do so, and not even all their stuff. So... Um, before we move on to the the next segment here, uh, is there any other talking points you wanted to touch on? I think you've really done an amazing job. If you haven't picked this up yet, please go do it. They are over a thousand percent funded and are climbing. Um, so help okay, them you- uh, help bring this project to life. Help them re- reach their. Uh, do you have any more uh, stretch goals?
2: I actually, yeah. So I forgot to mention. Let's I got talk, talk about in, <laughs> Talking about the actual mechanics. Um, as so, we had no idea that people were going to latch onto this project the way that uh, they did. So <laughs> right. the first thing we did was we we were like, okay, well, let's let's just make more stuff. <laughs> uh, so before we could come up with any stretch goals, because we needed to think about those pretty carefully, we came up with a thank you gift that we wanted to just include with the product that we knew we could produce pretty quickly. Um, And one one of those, the the thank you gift is we're making 10 magic items that interact directly with legendary resistances and legendary eminences. So very nice. one, uh, one such example is a, uh, a legendary weapon archetype. So you can choose the type of weapon that you want it to be in your world and the name for it. But what it does is when you hit with the weapon, you can, Choose to take on a level of exhaustion in order to immediately eliminate one legendary resistance.
0: I think so. that's in our magic item for the episode.
2: Oh shoot! I out. I ruined it. Okay, so uh, so I won't I won't tell any other ones, and I'll explain another magic item when we get to that section. And then we and I did come out no. with stretch goals. Um, that I just wanted to, to list off at, at a, at $2,500 um, we're going to release an encounter with Zaul the Lich King, which is uh, one of the named uh, enemies that, he, that appears in the promotional materials for the Kickstarter. Um, and we're going to uh, create a battle map for that encounter. We're going to give him, uh, a hook, plot hooks for your world that you can choose from. And then JJ, who uh, who is the extremely talented individual, Jordan Sirkin, who animated the Kickstarter video, is going to create animated battle maps for his uh, Mortis Nebula ability. So liches have this like sickly fog and mist that surrounds them while their legendary resistances are active. Uh, Jordan's going to create three different animated versions of the battle map, Uh, with the animated fog. So as your players are stripping legendary resistances, uh, you can swap into the battle map that has fog that is animated, that is less dense. And then eventually it'll just be the, the raw battle map without any mist. That
0: is so cool. I really love that. Um, Very cool. So once again, if you're watching this, listening to it later, head on over uh, to, uh, is it rebrand.ly slash legendary eminences? Uh, and check this out, please. Um, it's fantastic. And we've only talked just a little bit about what is here, and it's going to be effing amazing wow. just by looking at the samples that we've got. Um, oh, So if you hear a little bit of background noise, it's raining very, very hard. And the roof is metal. And the roof is
2: metal. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for that. The angels are shitting on them. The
1: angels
0: are pissing,
3: actually.
2: Or they I like. I like to imagine that you guys chose to make the roof metal. You were you. You had the different options, and you were like, "What could go wrong with metal? We're, we're pretty metal people." Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm like the least
0: metal person in existence. It's my book. <laughs> right here, it's in my life. Continue. All right. So before. Uh, uh, before we move on to our tips and tricks, we have to take a moment to tell you guys about Jeff Stevens' Freak Show Collection. If you have not at all uh, experienced uh, uh, either uh, Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss or <laughs> uh, Happy Jack's Funhouse or uh, Annalisa's okay? Revenge, you are missing out. Um, these are literally some of the best products on the, the DMs Guild, and now they are bundled into a three part book that are all uh, interconnected. And I want to talk a little bit, just real quick about some of the things that they do. I think they get it in <laughs> some of the things that I think that really make it stand out. Uh, uh, Madhouse, Natasha's kiss. First of all, jumps into all the details in regard regarding to madness, short-term and long-term madness and introduces new flaws to your characters, which is something I haven't, you don't see very often. Um, and the one thing that he did in Happy Jack's Funhouse that just is, it's every little Funhouse romp you've done, but in a very twisted and crazy way. Jeff Stevens and Remley Farr are really good about getting that, that twisted. Uh, people eating each other, it's all kinds of weird. Um, but what I really want to uh, touch on is what they did in Annalise's Revenge. They actually, the whole thing takes place in like a, uh, opera theater and the villains are like Alto and Soprano and bass. And there's actually entire scenes that you can hand out to the players and let them act out the plays that's going on while they're there, which is just really, really cool. It's, uh, he really did a, a wonderful job. Um, Also, I want to give a quick shout-out to Jeff's talk show. If you haven't checked it out, just like us, he decided he likes talking a lot and wanted to share it with the world. So Jeff Stevens uh, talks RPGs. You can check it out where... He speaks with other RPG creators and producers about the RPG industry, game design, and more. We think you will specifically like episode three, um, where he speaks with Ed Greenwood, that bastard, like yes, the SOP, right. Uh, <laughs> creator for of forgotten realms. Uh, so you definitely got to check it out. You can find Jeff talks on Twitch, YouTube, Apple podcasts, and anchor. Please check it out. Can I just say how beautiful the artwork is in this thing? And it, the artwork is disgustingly creepy too and I mean look at this big old yeah you guys can't see it but it's a disgusting fat like merchant guy and it's pretty gross so uh, if you like that sort of stuff that horror vibe you like uh, delving into character uh, personality alterations it's definitely a must have don't you dare (laughs) yeah right don't let our power go out again. alright let's move on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks and now what you've all been waiting for our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. So we got lots of uh, fun stuff today. Um, The first thing we're going to touch on is our monster. We always bring a wonderful monster with alterations. Brandon, would you like to tell us about the Shadow Hag?
1: The Shadow Hag. The origin stat block is the Archmage. Lost and Altered features, the uh, Mage Armor, AC stays at 15. Because he mm. said so. Because I said, yeah. said so. Because <laughs> <Yeah. Most laughs> the Clear Academy said so. <laughs> the damage resistance list, spell list, swap intelligence, and dex scores. Now. Oh, there it is.
0: Also, he gets a new feature. We get some stealth. We get. Mm. To- Damage vulnerability to radiant. Ah, see, see, I stuff in there. Yeah, see, yeah. You see yeah. what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> However, damage resistances acid, gold, fire, lightning, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Basically, everything else. Everything <laughs> <laughs> else under the sun. <laughs> ah, under the sun. <laughs> That's good. And immune to necrotic and poison. And condition wise, they're immune to exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified. Poison prone and restrained, and they are amorphous. They can yes. move through a sh- space as narrow as an inch without squeezing through it. Nice.
1: Fuck. Yeah. Uh, they also get a uh, sunlight weakness. While in Sunlight, the Shadow Hag has disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and savings.
0: Justin, you gave your monster two major weaknesses. Whatever will I do? It'll die quickly. Ah!
3: (laughs) So let's
0: talk about how we're giving it Strength Drain. If you don't know what that is, it permanently basically reduces a character's strength by 1d4 until they finish a long rest you know what happens when your strength gets to zero you die you die yeah you die it's bad so it can be killed pretty easily but uh you, you if it hits too many people over and over you're gonna go down especially all you little little tiny scrawny casters with eight in your stat that's potentially two rolls before you're dead uh, yeah, uh, we, a, uh, man. may have, uh, discovered that the hard way with the, um, <laughs> the little brain creatures that set your intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah at at the like the end 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 of end. Hours, yeah. of hours. They That's do cool. that. Um, and people don't know how hard it is to get rid of that. And we were a little too when we got <laughs> tagged by those suckers. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it did. If a non-evil humanoid dies from this attack, a new shadow rises from the corpse 1d4 hours later. Now let's talk about channeling. If you don't know, uh, we uh, created channeling basing on the breath weapon for our spellcasters um, long before, you know, wizards decided to just give actions to their spellcasters. Uh, I'm telling you, they're listening to us and stealing our, our, our thunder. Uh, so uh, this channel is uh, recharged on five or six. Um, and can use the following. We're gonna get a shadow bolt, which basically is a 90 foot line, five foot wide, uh, DC 17 for, uh, it says lightning damage. That's to- totally supposed to be necrotic damage. <laughs> um, sounds like Justin took a lightning bolt and changed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and does necrotic damage on a failed, uh, on a failed save or half as much on a success and still reduces their strength until the next turn. Oh, Justin, dealing half damage. You're such a bastard. Yeah, this uh, mouse
1: made B5 slides. <laughs> yeah, it's big.
0: <laughs> we're also going to talk about Veil Shadow, Veil of Shadows, where the hag uh, and each creature it chooses within 20 feet are cloaked in shadows, and basically gives it plus 10 bonus to stealth checks, uh, as if, and it is concentrating. This is basically Pass Without Trace. We're also going to change uh, um, some of its spells because we did use the Art Mage stat block. Um, we're going to give it at well Will, we're gonna give it at will, Mage Ham, Ledger Chill Touch, Loot Minor Illusion, and three a day each, Cone of Cold, Counterspell, Banishment, Mirror Image, Misty Staff. Justin, why are you trying to kill everyone? But wait, there's more.
1: Yeah, I'm actually surprised darkness is on there.
0: <laughs> you know, I thought about it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're also going to give it legendary actions. We're going to give it two detect, which allows it to do a wisdom perception check, attack, it makes one strength turn. you dustin, you bastard. And we're going to give it suppress magic, which basically creates a small area of anti magic and reduces a uh, buff. I need to know immediately what Raymond thinks about this terrifying monstrosity that I
2: have tossed together.
1: It's,
2: it's, it's. Um, I'm getting some really awesome Witcher vibes from it so what I mean by that is it feels really hard to fight against unless you know what it is that you're fighting up against and so you've prepared uh, the weaknesses that that uh, you know you're going to need going into it and maybe some things to, to deal with that strength drain ability so I love the idea that This creature is on the loose in some city uh, and maybe is like wiped out, decimated kind of like a fourth of the population of the city. And then the entire city uh, the entire populace of the city abandons the city and your adventuring group is hired to go and kill this thing. And now now you're finding out things about it uh, from witnesses uh, who have had their family members killed. And then maybe you find out what it is. And what its weaknesses are, so your party knows they need to prep uh, greater restoration. You know you need to go in with the daylight spell because um, my my thinking is that if you were to like ambush a party with this creature without any foreshadowing, you you might be looking at a, a TPK.
0: I would like to point out that technically, technically, it's weaker than the arcane mage, and you know why? Anyway, I took away shield. <laughs> <laughs> I took away shield. Uh, we did give it vulnerabilities for that very reason, right? So um, one of the things, uh, one of the audience members uh, messaged earlier is that they wish that there was more done with uh, damage resistances and immunities and vulnerabilities. Um, and so that's something we've really been trying here because these creatures don't have much health. Uh, I think uh, the art mage what, has like 90 or something. Um, so it can die very quickly uh, if it goes up against uh, a creature, but or a player group, but as uh, Ray had mentioned, um, monsters like this—if you're not giving foreshadowing and having them do investigation checks or lore searches to understand what they're getting into—then honestly, your characters deserve to die. Um, that's just that's just my uh, my train of thought, personally. Um, but you you know take that with a grain of salt. Justin's a douche. That's okay. Um. <laughs> I remember we have to against the Emerald Dragon. I'm like, oh, a what? I'll second damage. I'll take intellect fortress. <laughs> yes. So, uh, obviously this is very long, very complex. This is one of the bigger monsters that I've done. Um, if you don't know, uh, you can find this, and it's rich in lore, beautiful artwork fleshed out on our Patreon. Uh, I do want to take a second that, um, if you like our content and you really want to help support us, uh, help us get better equipment and pay all the bills, uh, a couple dollars a day from Patreon, we give you lots and lots of loot um so please uh consider uh backing us at patreon.com slash academy um it really makes a, a big deal on the amount of content we put out and obviously as a business we're trying to make this our full-time gig um you guys can make that happen so please consider that all right that'll do it for our very large ass monster the shadow hag <laughs> uh great you brought this to us so go ahead so, Tell this is,
2: so this is the encounter that we plan on making if we hit our $5,000 uh, stretch goal. Um, mm-hmm. But it. we're, we're going to share it right here, so you can just take it anyway. <laughs> but, but you <laughs> won't get those sweet battle maps.
0: Yeah, you won't get the ma- wicked battle maps. And this is a really a big summary of it, right?
2: Yes. So uh, Vitria Shula, the fetid torrent, slumbers deep within her sub-aquatic lair. Your divinations have revealed that... The God Ripper, a magic halberd capable of removing legendary eminences, resides in her horde. If your world is to survive the coming of the Gigaturask, <laughs> you will surely need this weapon in hand. Uh, Virtua, Virtria, <laughs> Vitria Shula's lair is a gigantic subaquatic cavern. The lair has many naturally formed columns and stalagmites. That the players can hide behind. But as Vitriashula uses her acid breath, the columns crumble and the walls of the cavern start to let in the water from above. As the water level rises, the battle will quickly turn to Vitriashula's favor as dry land becomes a valuable resource. Can the players find the God Ripper before Vitriashula melts the flesh from their bones? Oh, and oh, uh, mm-hmm. depending on your party level yes. level. You can make this black dragon either an ancient dragon, an adult dragon, or perhaps even a young uh, black dragon.
0: See, I, I, I like that. That's a nice little detail because you could just easily not be just, able to scale it to whatever you think your party can handle. I thought this is awesome. First God Ripper, amazing. I love it. That's an amazing name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, the idea that it's a, a, a special halberd that's necessary uh, that the, that's in her lair. <laughs> That's quite appealing, don't you think? Yep. Like Ah oh man, I love that. That is So, let's talk about the Gigatrask. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, because dun, 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 dun. I have to ask, <laughs> does the Gigatrask have a um cover for its biggest weakness?
2: Yes, it does. So, the, Giga-t- the Gigatrask doesn't need to be the name of uh whatever your uh amazing Tarask with the legendary eminence is. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of just came up with. I was like, "What's something that sounds like Godzilla?" As I was writing <laughs> this, in- <laughs> uh, I was like, "We need something that's scarier than an ancient black dragon." So, uh. <laughs> but um, so I'm going to share another spoiler, I guess. Uh, but I'm happy to do so. For the <laughs> Tarask's legendary eminence, we we really love the idea that the Tarask is this planet consuming monster and uh when it arrives on your planet it starts to behave almost like a collapsing star uh that is just kind of like roaming around destroying your your cities so it has this almost gravity well effect that anybody who is within 450 feet of it starts to be dragged towards it uh you have to you have to save i've seen a lot of uh Modifications to the Tarask to give it ranged attacks because that's its biggest weakness. But it also, for it's not to my personal taste because I think part of what makes the Tarask so awesome is that it doesn't have ranged attacks. So how can the Tarask drag everything that would do it harm into its melee range so that it can do what it's always been iconic at doing, which is you same know same stuff.
0: I think you also solved two one other problem that most people don't even realize. Lots of people point out, especially biologists, when they look at the trask, like, the trask is covered in spines. It, usually only prey creatures have spines for defense. <laughs> what comes down a trask? Look at a trask. But if it's like, you the ability, maybe it does other damage when the enemies are adjacent to the trask, suddenly they're pulled because they're being impaled on the spines. Oh my god, Could you imagine one of these bastards waking up, and then after a while, everyone's doing the best to fight, and when it finally shows up to your adventurers, there are just adventurers and armies just pierced all over its body, and it's like a walking corpse, corp, what is that, the corpse capture or whatever it is, oh my goodness. Ooh, think of the magic items that might be on there oh man better than a dragon that's sword so many
1: bodies <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, i really do like this encounter because uh you include the effects of the acid breath, altering the terrain and altering the combat making it very dynamic and i really think that that's a really good good design philosophy so kudos to you yeah um that, that'll do it for our encounter uh the god ripper do you just want to go ahead and talk about your magic item too
2: Yes. So the God Ripper is a version of the Armament of the Glory Seeker, which is the magic item I talked about earlier, uh, which lets you uh, take on a level of exhaustion when you hit with a melee attack to strip a legendary resistance uh, from the monster that you're facing. So so I'll share another uh, magic item that we're adding to the supplement, uh, which is it is a, a mantle. I forget exactly what awesome name I think John came up with for it, but it is something that makes you impervious to the effects of legendary eminences. So something that has been coming up in the feedback that we've been requesting from uh, people who really know their stuff is they feel like legendary eminences could be a little punishing uh, for martial uh, characters. So we want to give dungeon masters a way to like kid out their party to their taste and their preferences. So mm-hmm. this. This cloak that the Dungeon Master could choose to seed into their world is something that allows Marshall or a Marshall character to get in close with these monsters without having to fear their legendary eminence ability.
0: And let's be real here. One thing that 5B unfortunately brought back was um, Marshall Quest falling short compared to Spellcasters. <laughs> so I think that's only because people don't run the five to six recommended encounters per day. Um, True. And that makes all the difference because at five to six encounters, that spellcaster are going to be out after like the third one usually. So I think that's more a, a failure of the players failing to understand the limitation in the, the core design mechanic or philosophy. Or well, DMs. I say well, player. I mean like everybody, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously it's targeting the DM, but the player should be encouraging that too. Like, Hey, I want you to know that I'm a melee fighter and you only run in two encounters. And, uh, well, the wizard always has fireball. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to keep that, you know? So um, I think that that's... Uh, uh, I, I think that you the hey. fact that you're answering that and responding to it is a really good thing to do. Hey, I'm a warlock. I still have two spells because I'm not level 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another one, right? The, the warlock specializes in getting them back on a short rest. Yeah. So at six to eight encounters a day, they even outshine a regular caster because if you're doing it right they're getting all those back giving them more powerful access to more powerful spells for over a longer period of time that's also assuming there's a short rest in between each encounter too that's also true but we don't do most people don't do that and that's the problem and i'm guilty of that too i don't do that shit i got time from six to eight encounters are you nuts <laughs> like i'm an adult i got shit to do <laughs> let's get through the story and get done
1: I five encounters took eight hours.
0: Yeah. That
1: then, nope. Nope. Yeah. We're good.
0: Thank you All well. right. Uh, that'll do it for our magic item. Thank you for bringing that, um, Brandon. Would you like to uh, talk to about our uh, DM? I just realized I didn't give any of these names. Yeah. Uh, what is it, uh, tell us about a dungeon master tip today, uh, Brandon. Well, yeah, on the, on the blog bad. too. <laughs> uh,
1: What's we'll it we'll blog. call this one memories.
0: Yep. It's actually called memory troubles. Okay, memory mm.
1: troubles. Do you feel like your yeah, players aren't yeah. remembering? key character names, or plot elements, apply memory slots to your planning. Players can keep a limited number of ideas in their short-term memory, uh, roughly six to eight elements. Once those ideas move to a long-term memory, uh, those slots free up, and this typically happens between sessions. This is enormously important when running for uh, new players because the rules of the game are competing for their memory slots.
0: Uh, I've run a game for about uh, thirty new players now, and really uh, effective technique for introducing them. Uh, Did did this come from Raymond too? Yes, it did. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Raymond, do you want to take that next part? Next part there.
2: I I love this concept of memory slots because I've I've run the game for about thirty new players now, and a really effective technique for introducing them to the game is to remove as much from their character sheet as possible, Um, and anything. That needs to be there on on there. I like to preload into their long term memory uh, in advance for the session. So if if um, so, I, I ran the game for one of my coworkers who has never played an RPG. Um, they're they're uh, a parent and they've been a parent for a long time. So they they didn't really grow up in this age of kind of video games and RPGs and stuff like that. And she. She was like, I really want to play, but none of this is going to make sense for me. So I basically removed everything from her character sheet and just told her that, made sure she really had a good concept for um, like a fantasy touchstone uh, that she wanted to play. So she wanted to play a wizard. So I was like, perfect. Think of your favorite wizard from Harry Potter. Uh, And whenever you want to try to do something, just let me know what you want to try to do and we'll figure out how that works within the rules of the game. Uh and that has been enormously successful for running for new players is I've I've even gone so far as to uh write out little spots on the the paper in front of them for them to put their dice back to, because when you say, roll, when you say roll a D20, they're like, roll a what? (laughs) Like Like they they don't have that abbreviation in their head. And then they look down at their little math rocks and they're like, which of these is a D20, (laughs) Uh, like a 20. And then they're like, they finally get the D20. And then you ask them about the D6 and they're like, I've never rolled a D6 before in my life. And it's like, yes, you have. It's the six sided die. So like, all of that stuff that was competing for their memory slots. So, do you think they're going to remember the, like, elvish name of the villain that you set up in the beginning of the encounter, when they're just trying to remember which math rock is which? No way. So, (laughs) do your best to remove as many uh, things for them to remember as possible.
0: I agree. That's actually why I had a new player one time like, oh, you want to be a spellcaster? Here's a warlock. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, uh... When I do a... You can do those twice. You can do Eldritch Bros. as much as you want. Go. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> when I'm doing D&D games at uh, the Community enrichment Center out in my town, I get a lot of new players all the time. I specifically bought four dice sets that are completely color-coded. <laughs> so when they ask me, it's like, hey, w- w- wait, which one's the D20? Uh, That's the per- genius. The purple one. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, give me a uh, 2D6. What's the D6? The orange one. Oh, okay. They, they catch on really quick. That, that is genius.
3: When
0: That's I'm asking uh, DM tips, where the hell are those responses, man? I don't know. I We have so many, I thought we might have already done it. <laughs> the problem isn't coming up with the tips. The problem is coming up with the tips when you want to come up with the tips. tips. Yeah, and when we ha- <laughs> and ones we haven't done is right. right. I think this is a great idea. It's not something that I, as a DM, had ever considered. Um, I run games every Wednesday for children. Um, so this is something. I'm stealing the dice idea, too. This, Both of these are just phenomenal, and it's something that I think now that I'm aware of, I'll try to keep pay more attention to because I want to make sure that everything is absorbed at an appropriate rate. And just spewing out diarrhea of D and D is not super helpful in most cases. So, so just the slide I got. Okay. Although, once, right. although something I see some games do, do too is the DM has the character sheet behind, hide and they, they the players, "What do you want to do?" I can see that being useful yeah uh, all right We're running so- over one time go ahead real quick no, sorry this could be another dm too, but something similar i do well then send me an email uh, on, the,
1: <laughs> on the front of my dm screen i have a character sheet that's in there and all the important brackets are outlined in colors so when i say hey give me a, a stealth check I'm like where's that at? it's in the orange box
0: i did that for the kids i've got it color-coded for their skills yeah, and all their other email. different features anyways we digressed anyway Uh, That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip, (laughs) Memory Troubles. Our player tip of the podcast is... (gasps) Don't Don't be a dick! Fran, tell us about the limiting lie. Yes, the limiting... Are you sure you wrote this one I... I don't know. Normally the guest doesn't want to actually write anything, so it caught me off guard. I was super excited,
2: okay? You opened the floodgates and gave me a blank Google Doc, and I just went to town.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Uh, When it comes to character development, NPC or PC... Uh, we know that setting both short-term and long-term goals is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. These goals give our characters something to strive for. During a campaign, we hope to develop our characters through roleplay and choices the characters make. Uh, while some of this is limited based on what the GM offers to us, much of it is within our control. Yep. As
0: players, I'm it is a player tip, so that would be the assumption, yeah. yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, we believe that uh, <laughs> some of the best character stories end in the character obtaining that goal. But did you know uh, that you can make that success far more potent and memorable for both you and other players.
0: Here is a simple technique that will make your character's achievement of a goal something that will not only allow the character to evolve but also cause emotion of damage, I mean reactions. Uh, what we are ta- <laughs> I got to stop getting on TikTok. What we are talking about is the limiting lie. When building your character consider a simple question. What is a lie or untruth that your character believes so strongly at the beginning of the story that prevents that character from achieving their goals? Now, they don't know it's a lie, right? You decide what the lie is, but the character doesn't know. Think about it. This question forces us as players to develop our own plot twists that the GM can then leverage in the story. How will this affect your character when they learn the truth of the lie they have believed in since the beginning? The most common example is a teacher or mentor who has always been at the character side, providing guidance to help them better themselves. We got a really great example. Yeah. Actually, on a quick side note, I remember like one uh, thing is like uh, like kids just hate hate yawn tea because they believe they're evil. Dude, why do you believe they're evil? I've met thirty two yawn tea. And three or two of them tried to kill me. <laughs> Never trust a man in a tunic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. In the end, learning that the mentor character was only using the student as a tool to achieve some other goal. A great example of this is the CW show Flash, back when that was good. Uh,
3: <laughs> back in Monday! <laughs> alert,
0: season one. In it, we learn that his mentor, Harrison Wells, well, one of them, is helping... <laughs> To train Barry Allen to become as fast as possible. He aids Flash in becoming a hero. In the end, the Flash lives the whole reason for Wilson's support was so he could steal the Flash's speed for himself. Sucker. And <laughs> this turns Barry's trust of all into a more volatile trait. You know, why does he keep trusting people after all that? And he becomes far more untrusting and struggles with it throughout the rest of the series. No, he's definitely, <laughs> if you compare him to like season one, to the rest of them, he's definitely like... It's like more jumping like, from 100% trusting to 95. Yes. Trusting. No, I won't <laughs> come on. Oh, uh, shit. Yep. what I think he lacks of trust, makes it more difficult to achieve certain goals that may require the aid of another. It's A good example defense. is when he's working with, like, the, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say, Citizen Cold, Captain Cold, right? Um, he can't trust, uh, he, he, does not trust him. He knows he's got a bad history. If he was as lawful as you say and trusting, he would have no problem trusting the rogues, but that's not the case. Although, to be fair, Kevin Cole does give a long reason not to trust him. That's also true. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this, Ray? Uh,
2: I, I love this idea. So, Sorry, way, I really- <laughs> congratulations. <you
3: win. laughs>
2: so, something that um, my group has been playing around a lot with is this idea of like co authoring. So, so- I think when you first start off playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're you're not trying to win, but you're kind of trying to win, right? Like when you as the player find out something, you leverage that information mm-hmm. immediately, which is why the dungeon master tries to be really careful about not giving you meta information because you, when you're a new player, you kind of just use it right away, right? <laughs> right. And because you're trying to you're trying to win ish, and then as you play more and more, you start to become more and more invested. Not in your character making it to 20th level or getting that sick magic item, but in the right, right. story that's unfolding in front of you. Uh, and The Limiting Lie strikes me as this really cool way of being a co-author. You're you're coming up with something that, that's a nerf for your character, yep. Yep. and you're sharing that with the dungeon master. And it's it's setting up this awesome character moment to take place in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big yeah. fan of that.
1: Brandon, you got anything to add? Uh, I love this you're welcome uh, I, I only said that because you said it's the right answer that's
0: also the right answer <laughs> congratulations uh, well, I about it. maybe someday so I'll, I'll give I'd, you a raise I do like it
2: <laughs>
0: you barely pay me I
2: know <laughs> so you'd be grateful <laughs> we'll give you a 1000% raise <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get $3 <laughs> It's even better it's like I'm
1: gonna give you a 100% raise you don't pay me <laughs> exactly
3: <laughs> <They're>,
1: uh, uh <laughs> He you more than me. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> That's fucked up. Don't look <laughs> make- I mean... No, no I'm not going to go there. <laughs> For those I mean, of you who don't know... We get to sit here and we get to uh, pal around with each other and your wife is just sitting there behind the screen and you you're doing all the work with no one around is- here going...
0: I would just like to take a moment So <laughs> that when she when she started producing this show, it lifted a huge weight off my shoulder. And she comes to me and says, You do so much. I'm like, I know. Anyways,
1: it's you were about, saying. It's also a She said you went more than three episodes. We're on 265. Yeah. <laughs> 265. Can you believe it? Dang. All right. What uh, are you going to say? I don't know. Okay. Anyways, I guess that'll do it. <laughs> Something about you kissing Alicia's ass. I
0: can't remember. <laughs> well, I did not. That's The uh, DMB <laughs> <either. laughs> <D&D> after hours. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our player tip. Don't, don't be a dick. dick, and you can avoid dickitude by including the limiting lie. Yeah. Help your build your stories, like Ray said. All right, um, we're coming near to the end of the show. Um, as always, we like to give away fat loot every week. We like to make it rain free loot on you guys for here. listening and for watching and all that jazz. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our fabulous fat loot giveaway today? Our fabulous fat loot is the Shrine of Talos,
1: <laughs> beyond the wishlight adventure. Stop a group of evil druids from unleashing chaos upon the domains of delight in this expansion for the wild Beyond the Witchlight. I just don't want to pick up that book.
0: Single handedly, if I haven't already said this before, I think it is the best written adventure book that Wizards of the Coast has released. Just that's my opinion.
1: This adventure is designed for the Wild Beyond the Witchlight campaign and is intended to give your players extra content during travel. Uh, it will bring your party in contact with Sol- Solvabin. Solvabin? Maybe. A druid of Talos, pretending to be a druid of Sylvanus. We need uh, more of that. He asks them to collect a relic for an important ritual, which turns out to be a bit darker than they had bargained for. Let's talk about you know, a little bit
0: about that limiting lie and uh, somebody betraying you and shit. <laughs> Our winner today is Karamos386. if you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to critacademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win we will make it rain on you. We have all kinds of fat loot you, know free you can get. free shit. Yeah, go to, <laughs> go to CritAcademy. Academy. You're the next yeah. contestant on Fat Loot Giveaway. All right. Um, before we close out here, uh, Ray, I want to first say thank you for uh, joining us. Um, do you want to give yourself uh, one more plug before we uh, close out here?
2: Uh, yeah, that would that'd be great. Well, first of all, thank you again for having me on the show. This is so much fun. Uh, when I think back a few years ago, when I was first starting to play and run Dungeons and Dragons, I listened to your guys' show, and I found some awesome okay. stuff. Uh, Ancestral Weapons is is uh, a product I picked up because of you guys. Oh, yes, um, it's so amazing. It's actually really kind of surreal to, to be on the show. So thank you so much for for making that small little dream a reality. We um, bring the world
1: full circle. You are welcome. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. season did you start with? <laughs> There's always a new season when one of us dips out for a little while.
0: Oh, yeah. Anyways, we're focusing on him, not you.
2: <laughs> but if, uh, no problem. Uh, but if anyone is excited about kind of, um, the types of design that I've talked about while I've been here, the Running Off the Rails podcast is a show where me and my co-host Ariel go really deep on a specific element, a nuanced element of running Dungeons and Dragons. And, uh, we have like 62 episodes now, which I can't believe. Uh, so head on over there. Congratulations. And Thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> and go, to the, go to the Emery's Log of Legendary Eminences Kickstarter. Um, yes. I, I really want us to reach our stretch goals because I want an excuse uh, to, to make all that stuff for the, for the stretch goals instead of um, mm-hmm. moving on to some of the other projects that we have in the chamber. I'd like to linger on this project for a little bit longer. So <laughs> uh, if, if, if this project speaks to you and excites you, um head on over we have a free sample there where uh it has all the details about how to run legendary eminences and then there are two sample celestial legendary eminences available on the kickstarter Uh,
0: i'm going to tell you every time i look at this it gets me excited
2: (laughs) me
1: too (laughs) we're in good company (laughs) and saying it says right here i'm looking at There's 18 days left as of right now yep yep Eighteen days, uh, as of the day of this live recording. Okay. This live recording, which is April twenty fourth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: We're gonna listen to it, so you yeah, gotta give it. It's last
1: forever, especially when you hear this episode. You probably have like what four days left. <laughs> uh, I don't know. A week. Yeah,
0: we or so. Yeah, so eight days. So yeah. get on it. So yeah, go do it. Um, pick it up. Definitely do it. Support this. I love this product. Uh, I will probably certainly be picking it up if I haven't already backed it. I'm not sure. Cause I back There's so many Kickstarters going on that are going to empty oh, my yeah. wallet that an each one is worth it, but this <laughs> is a must have. All right. I think that'll do it for our show today. If you enjoy the show and you want to support us, please visit us at critic um, Once again, I want to beckon out to all that are listening. If we tickle your ear, if you enjoy looking at our visage, Um, and you want to help make this a a, a dream job for all of us, please consider becoming a patron. We give, our patrons get a lot of stuff. I spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours putting stuff together. The team does a really good job, so um, if you think we're worth a a, a pack of cigarettes if you're a smoker a month, or if you drink a lot of Kool-Aid, a pack of Kool-Aid, a beer, some coffee, what else? You could just listen to us and quit smoking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, quit smoking, and then just, you know, send it to us as a thank you. I managed got to you. quit,
1: and that's an impossible feat. Yeah. Is that explaining why you're not so hot anymore? Did you quit smoking? Used to be hot? What, what? Uh, when I quit smoking, my appetite went up. I went from 180 to 210, so. <laughs> uh, it was more of like
0: a S moment, but. Actually, cigarettes hug. do reduce the, your appetite, so that yeah. checks out. Yeah. Really, that's a thing. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm derailing us. That's I'm sorry. To fight about smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yes, quit smoking and come support Crit Academy on our Patreon. Um, <laughs> we really, uh, we need the support to keep doing. I mean, this, this all costs money, time, and effort, and I'm sure that uh, Raymond can attest Insanity. to that. Insanity. Yeah. We to know, Brandon,
1: that I love you. He just crested me. He didn't touch me. He caressed me. I did.
0: All right. That so that'll do it for you. your show to, our show today.
2: I'm, I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Ray.
1: I'm your co host, Ian. And I'm your co host, Brandon. Thanks for listening.
2: Keep your voice shut. i prepared, heroes. Did I screw it up? I screwed you, it you up. You know, it's, okay, it's, everything's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We got to try again not be loud because uh-huh. something's super loud for some reason. All right. Our player tip of the podcast is don't be a dick. I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>